0: A reading from the second book of Samuel. An informant came to David with the report, the children of Israel have transferred their loyalty to Absalom. At this David said to all his servants who were with him in Jerusalem, up, let us take flight, or none of us will escape from Absalom. Leave quickly, lest he hurry and overtake us. Then visit disaster upon us, and put the city to the sword. As David went up to Mount Olives, he wept without ceasing. His head was covered and he was walking barefoot. All those who were with him also had their heads covered and were weeping as they went. As David was approaching Barhurim, a man named Shemel, the son of Gerah, of the same clan as Saul's family, was coming out of the place, cursing as he came. He threw stones at David and at all the king's officers, even though all the soldiers, including the royal guard, were on David's right and on his left. Shemael was saying as he cursed, Away, away, you murderous and wicked man. The Lord has requited you for all the bloodshed in the family of Saul, in whose stead you became king. And the Lord has given over the kingdom to your son, Absalom. And now you suffer ruin because you are a murderer. Abishai, son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over, please, and lop off his head. But the king replied, What business is it of mine or of yours, sons of Zariah, that he curses? Suppose the Lord has told him to curse David. Who then will dare to say, why are you doing this? Then the king said to Abishai and to all his servants, if my own son who came forth from my loins is seeking my life, how much more might the, this Benjaminite do so? Let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. Perhaps the Lord will look upon my affliction and make it up to me with benefits for the curses he is uttering this day. David and his men continued on the road, while Shemael kept abreast of them on the hillside, all the while cursing and throwing stones and dirt as he went.
1: Jesus and his disciples came to the other side of the sea, to the territory of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the- <coughs> When he got out of the boat, at once a man from the tombs who had an unclean spirit met him. The man had been dwelling among the tombs, and no no one could restrain him any longer, even with a chain. In fact, he had frequently been bound with shackles and chains, but the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles smashed, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the hillsides, he was always crying out and bruising himself with stones. Catching sight of Jesus from a distance, he ran up and prostrated himself before him, crying out in a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. He had been saying to him, Unclean spirits, come out of the man. He asked him, What is your name? He replied, Legion is my name, there are many of us. And he pleaded earnestly with him not to drive them away from that territory. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there on the hillside, and they pleaded with him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. And he let them. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. The herd of about two thousand rushed down a steep bank into the sea, where they were drowned. The swine herds ran away and reported the incident in the town and throughout the countryside. And people came out to see what had happened. As they approached Jesus, they caught sight of the man who had been possessed by legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were seized with fear. Those who witnessed the incident explained to them what had happened, to the possessed man and to the swine. Then they began to beg him to leave their district. As he was getting into the boats, the man who had been possessed pleaded for, to remain with him. But Jesus would not permit him, but told him instead, go home to your family and announce to them all that the Lord in his pity has done for you. Then the man went off and began to proclaim in the Decapolis what Jesus had done for him, and all were amazed. Bebom Domini. <laughs> Today, the Church celebrates the feast of St. John Bosco, the founder of the Salesians. And he is best known for his work with poor boys in the streets of Turin, Italy. He was born in Becci, Italy in 1815 to poor parents, and his father died when John was only two years old. John was known to have dreams throughout his life which helped to direct his vocation and determine his course of action. And it was through these dreams that he discerned his vocation and his life's work to become a priest and to work with the poor boys in Italy. John was ordained a priest in 1841, a time when the Industrial Revolution was in full swing throughout the world and especially in the United States and Europe. And while industrialization had its positive positive aspects, such as an increase in the production and distribution of goods, it was accompanied with a whole set of problems, especially for poor workers and for working class families. Many people were compelled to work long hours to endure harsh working conditions, that often put workers at serious risk of injury and death, they received very low wages, and their children often had to do hard labor in factories to help to provide for their families. At the time of John Bosco, the laws in Italy provided no protection for young boys and teenagers. And many of the boys who worked in factories were either orphans or they had to work to support their widowed mothers or their disabled fathers. Thus, they constantly found themselves in trouble with the law and were usually in and out of prison. John Bosco thought that these children were missing someone to love and to care for them. And he figured that their behavior would improve if only they had such a loving, caring parental figure in their lives. On one occasion, Bosco overheard the sacristan of his church harshly scolding one of the poor boys who had crept into the sacristy seeking warmth from the cold. The sacristan screamed at the boy, saying, You don't know how to serve Mass. Then what are you doing here? Leave at once. And when Bosco saw the boy, he called him over to him, and talked with him kindly. He offered to teach the boy how to pray and invited him to come back the following Sunday with his friends. The boys showed up that Sunday with four other boys from the street who all looked as if they needed something to eat. And this group of boys gradually grew larger and larger. And Bosco realized that he was going to need some sort of permanent place for them to stay, since some of them were without homes. He rented a house and had his mother help to care for them. He helped the boys to find jobs, educated them in the faith, <clears throat> and taught them basic skills such as reading and writing. He cared for the overall welfare of his boys both corporally and spiritually. And he always treated the boys with kindness and respect and never resorted to harsh punishment. When he did punish, it was firm but never angry or with an attitude of superiority or authority. He wanted them to have an encounter with the love and mercy of Christ. And so he encouraged them to go to confession regularly He kept an eye out for potential priestly vocations among the boys who came to him, and he eventually established the Salesians in 1869, named after his favorite saint, Francis de Sales. He also co-founded a congregation of sisters called the Daughters of Mary Help of Christians. St. John Bosco had a profound love for Christ and recognized his presence in the poor boys to whom he ministered. The fact is that these poor boys suffered several injustices in their lives. Injustice, they had a natural right to a family with both a father and mother, the right to adequate food, clothing, and shelter, and the right to an education, among other rights. And yet these boys were deprived of these rights, whether, the, through the, whether through the fault of others or due to unforeseen or unfortunate circumstances. And while it is true that we should continue to work towards a society that is more just and that guarantees the fulfillment of these basic rights for all, to seek the common good, in accordance with Catholic social doctrine, there will always be the need for charity. And many popes have made this point in their writings, one of whom is Pope Pius XI. In his social encyclical Quadragesimo Anno, which was released 40 years after the great social encyclical Rerum Novarum by Pope Leo XIII, Pius XI says, Charity cannot take the place of justice unfairly withheld, but even though a state of things be pictured in which every man receives at last all that is his due, a wide field will nevertheless remain open for charity. For justice alone, even though most faithfully observed, can remove indeed the cause of social strife but could never bring about a union of hearts and minds. When John Bosco saw these poor street children, he did not simply complain about the unjust political and economic system, nor did he leave the children to fend for themselves, telling them they had to lift themselves up by their own bootstraps. Rather, he showed them charity and provided them what was already owed to them in justice. May we likewise follow St. John Bosco's example and look for ways, according to our state in life, to show the love of Christ to others who have suffered injustice and that we may show that love through our kind words and our works of charity.